Hey, hi everyone. A um, little different this morning, so I'm Jason, and the reason we've got a recording is because we're still getting things back into, into shape on Sundays, and with the preaching team, and I need to be away, and I'd prepared my talk, so I'm recording it, and, um, but Beth's with you, and she'll be leading ministry, and anyway, it's lovely to see you, and if you're joining us online watching this, lovely to have you with us too. Um, this is one of my favourite verses, uh, well, sections of verses in James, and I've been so looking forward to sharing uh, with you on this. Um, and uh, I've got four things I want to share with you from this passage in our series in James. And as you know, the series is called Faith Works. We've landed on the book of James this autumn as the preaching team got together and praying because it's an amazing book that talks about the power of God that's available to us in difficult and challenging situations, but also how to be God's people. And uh, we've been exploring that in this series. We were in danger of forgetting what it is to be God's people before COVID. And now as we come out of COVID, what does it mean for us to be God's people together? So uh, picking this up, if you, uh, the verses will be up on the screen as well. So let me read this, verse 19 through 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and don't keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So four things. First thing, and again, if you've got the fill-in notes on our app, you open that up, that'll be in there. And the first one uh, is this, hearing and doing God's word, hearing and doing. There is so much in this little section of John, as there often is with bits of the Bible, isn't there? Imagine how different our world would be if we just all followed verse 19, the beginning of that passage. Imagine. Imagine what our media would be like, the news would be like, our social media would be like, our world would be transformed, wouldn't it? And then verse 26, if we get to the end of the, the section there, again, if we were just careful about our judgments and how we spoke, again, how different our world would be. Now, those are both the bookends to the passage, and what I'm really going to focus on with you is the bit in the middle about the hearing and doing, and lean to the left and to the right of the passage. And there's this strange metaphor in the middle of the passage about seeing yourself in a mirror and going away and forgetting who you are. And James tells us something right out the gate with this passage and is very clear on this to us, that this metaphor is key to us activating and receiving what God has for us. And it's not enough to merely think and listen without taking action. That's the short version. Some of you know this passage already, but maybe it's new to you or a refresher today. And 
One of the things that, that people come to with James and faith and works, two things through church history, what do I need faith for and what should I work for? There is uh, an idea of salvation by grace. And the idea is that there is nothing that you and I can do, this is true, scripture tells us, to earn God's favour. But the problem is that can turn into what's called cheap grace, where we think it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, it's often reduced to Jesus has done it all, I don't have to do anything. That is not grace at all, that is cheap grace. Now at the other end is legalism. And legalism is where, well, I've done this, therefore God owes me this. Now, you and I probably bump into our legalism from time to time when difficult things happen in life. We think, but God, I was living like this and I was doing this. I don't deserve this. That's where we often bump into our legalism. We might bump into our cheap grace when we know God's told us that there are things he wants us to do, but we just choose to ignore them. And that's sort of the range of what's at stake here. But there's something so positive and so powerful and so compelling. I, I just love this and want to unpack this with you and what James shares with us. And really what James is saying this, let's just distill that all down to something else. That love results in action. You and I know that. What we love determines what we do. And what we do is already shaped around what we love. And that's what James is telling us here. We are what we love, and what we love is what we do. Now, John 14, uh, passage here, uh, in the middle of John 14, Jesus is very clear on this. Jesus says this, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. I mean, some bits of the Bible are maybe difficult to penetrate, but this one's really straightforward, isn't it? Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do something. If you're not doing things about me, you obviously don't love me. And that's maybe one place for us to pause, especially after we did our reset and coming out of the summer. And the best place is to be honest and just say, where am I at with Jesus? Is he someone I check in with? Or is he someone, as we saw with Psalm 23, is he the good shepherd? Am I close to him? because he wants to be close to us. And Jesus tells us the importance of this, love and obedience, because there is something about God's love for us and Jesus, his own obedience to us, that releases something into our lives. And James tells us, we saw it in the passage, verse 21, two types of people. There are people who hear what God says to them and take action. And then there are people who hear it and do nothing. And those are the two people that are contrasted here. Um, last bit on the introduction here. Um, James says, do not be deceived. Now, without putting all the Greek words up on the screen behind me, to let you know, the word deception there is a really strong word. It says, don't be deceived. It, it's, it's full of meanings of demonic deception and control and misunderstanding. And it's, and it's also got an ethical and moral dimension to it. James is saying, this thing that I'm about to share with you is non-negotiable. It's an ethical, moral issue. It's part of the fabric of the universe in how God has made things and how we respond to him or don't respond. Do not be deceived. These two types of people, if you think that it's okay, it's not okay. He can't make that warning uh, more strongly to us. And again, remember, Jesus says the same. Might as well have said, don't be deceived. Anyone who loves me will obey me. People that don't obey me don't love me. So 
Let me distill that down to one last thing. Maybe with some language, some a bit more common parlance. If we say we love Jesus, and Jesus says, here are my commands, and we don't do them, what we've done is make Jesus a lifestyle choice. And that's, that's the world we live in, isn't it? Lifestyle choices. Well, I could do that, but maybe I'll put that off till later. And that's at the heart of what I think James is bringing to us, that Jesus is not a lifestyle choice. He is the way, the truth, and the life, uh, he tells us himself. So that was the first thing the introduction, the setup, hearing and doing God's word. Second thing, catching a glimpse of who we were, and again, if you're in the fill-in notes, the word there is created to be. Now, verse 1, leaning, back, leaning backwards in the passage, James talks about the word implanted in us. You've, you've got the idea of a seed and something being put in, organic, that grows and comes to life. And that's, that's how we're going to make sense of the bit about looking in the mirror and not knowing who we are. Um, and I was thinking about seeds and deception. I mean, maybe some of you have had therapy or counselling. And one of the reasons you get that is because words or things come into your life and they are a deception. And they cause a distortion in your identity and your self-understanding. That's often what's going on with, with therapy and counselling. Some of you have had sozo, healing prayer. And often that's dealing with deceptions and lies and misunderstandings. Um, in verse 24, the, the word, the, the little bit in, about looking in the mirror. See if you can follow me on this one. Do, we'll just do a little bit of looking at the original language here. Because the translators find it difficult... It's, you know, some of you know other languages, and in some languages there are some words that are really difficult to translate. There's no English equivalent. And the translators have tried something here. And behind the word themselves, someone who looks at themselves in a mirror, um, there is this phrase, prospon tes, and this is the important word, genesesios. Genesesios. Now, does that sound familiar? Genesesios. Actually, it is familiar. It's Genesis. In the middle of this uh, verse, in verse 24, is a word that is taken from the word Genesis. And we know the book of Genesis, God's creation. This is about creation. So literally, verse 24, is somebody who sees who God made them to be within his Genesis creation and intended them to be. I'll say that again. To catch a glimpse of who we are, who we are meant to be, within God's Genesis creation. God made the world and you and I are part of his ongoing creation. That's what the looking in the mirror is. Or let me do again like some translators have done. You take that short sentence and try and put it into a dynamic, more dynamic equivalence in English. It means this, to catch a glimpse and hear who we were meant to be in the image of God and walk away and do nothing about it. Isn't that powerful? To catch a glimpse or hear who we were meant to be within the image of God and walk away and do nothing about it. And don't be deceived. It's not a lifestyle choice. And that's the self-deception in verse 21. So let me ask a question. Have you ever caught a glimpse? Maybe you've been in a church service and something in the teaching or the worship or a prayer time and you got an image or a, a feeling or a, a, an, an, an impression of who you could be in God and with God and with Jesus. And maybe 
something happened by the time you got to the car park and you never took action around it and you never grabbed hold of it. Or maybe you listened to a podcast or something online or went to a conference or were on your own somewhere and reflecting and thinking and God brings a revelation to you, a little glimpse of who you might be and were meant to be. But then the things of life cover it up and we don't take action over it. And before we know it, we're thinking, what happened to that? Oh, or sometimes we say to ourselves, well, this is just the way I am. Maybe this is just the way I am. Or the one that we often probably do is, I'll get round to it later. And James says, don't be deceived. You can't get round to it later. Third thing, the mirror is, again, if you're in the handout, the fill-in notes on the app on your phone, is God's word to us. The mirror is God's word. This is what the mirror is. Now we know what the seed is and ourselves is and, uh, and the Genesis uh, framing there. But this one, the mirror is God's word. This is explicit in the text. And the, the warning of not being deceived about this problem is now inverted into a promise. On the one hand, there is a warning. If, if you live like this, you're, you're, you're deceiving yourself and missing out on something. But now there's something really positive turns it into an understanding and a positive dimension. And, and it's this, that if we catch a glimpse of who God intended us to be and created us to be, and we activate it, and this is the bit where is to look intently and receptively, and again in the English translation it says to continue, to pursue it. If we go, I'm not going to let go of that, that glimpse that I caught, I'm going to do something about it. And that mode is what James is talking about. I've heard it, I've seen it, and now I'm going to take action. I'm not going to put it off any longer to continue in the place where I caught that glimpse. And the word, of course, the word is God's Bible. It's also the, the rima, God's dynamic word to us. There's, there's two bits about words in the Bible. There's logos, which is generally maybe written down, but it means more things than that. And rima, God's dynamic word to us. Sometimes we have a prophetic word. So I get, there's another one. How many of us might have had a prophetic word prayed over us that we haven't continued in or taken hold of? And it's God's word in multiple ways that we hear from other people and teaching and preaching and praying on our own and all the ways that God speaks to us. That's the mirror. That's where. So let me sum it up in this. If we catch a glimpse at any point about who God made us to be and who we might be, what James is saying, continue in it. Carry on. That's the way we take hold of it. What happens is that we know the problem. The problem is to go away from that place and do nothing. James says, just carry on in God's word. Um, and be faithful to those things. Um, little aside about mirrors. At the time that this was written, most, mirrors were nothing like mirrors that we had. Most people could maybe see their reflection in water or they'd have a bit of polished metal if they were fortunate. One of the ways people understood who they were was through their family. Uh, through for most people in history mirrors are a very modern invention as we have them today and by the way that's some of you know that's where Paul in the New Testament says we see through a glass darkly he's talking about uh, you know looking through glass or and a mirror mirrors were not wonderful ways to to see yourself perfectly and glass if any of you see an old glass really old glass again when you couldn't see through it in the way that we can see through now and what that meant was you saw who you were in the reflection of your family. People would say, oh, you've got your dad's nose. Your nose is probably the hardest thing to see, isn't it? Uh, if you didn't, imagine if you could never see a proper mirror. 
we're so used to seeing our own image. But at this time, people couldn't see their own image. The way they caught a glimpse of themselves was to look into the mirror of God's word. That means as they looked at Jesus, he reflected back to them. And they go, oh, you're just like your heavenly father. And remember when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's so much with that language there about looking. And what that means for us, if you remember, if any of you went through Psalm 23 with us over the summer, we become like the people we hang out with, the people that we look at. Or again, I keep using the word diagnostic recently, don't I? If we distill that down to something, say, what are you and I looking at most of the week? We give our visual attention to things, don't we? Video, social media, TV, news. Are we looking at God's word and are we looking at other people who are looking at God and Jesus? Because those are the mirrors. And the reality is, and scripture reminds us again, we become like the things that we look at and pursue and look at. Which is another reminder for me to be in a small group this autumn. Uh, You may have already said to yourself, oh, I was in small group a lot, maybe I'll catch it next year. Well, what mirrors are you going to be looking at? Or what are you doing this autumn to catch a glimpse of who God has made you to be? And are you going to get around other people? We use a phrase, don't we, actually, with other people, to hold a mirror up to one another. People who will sit there and say, I I see this in you, and this is what God's doing, and to support that and pray for that. And that's this whole series is followed up. You can take this teaching from today, and in small group this week, small groups, all of them will be following this up and exploring with you Who has God made you to be and what glimpse have you caught of that? So that's the third thing. I've got one more thing to share with you. And a last thing to close. Fourth, again in your handout, doing is the route to blessing. Okay? I think we've probably got that by now, haven't we, from James? Doing is the route to blessing. Um, And again, we bump into these extremes here of, uh, there's nothing I can do to earn God's favour. Yes, his grace. But if we love God, we will take action around it. Uh, I'll just pause and aside. You know, sometimes in, in marriage, my wife's going, you know, sometimes words are cheap, aren't they? We can say I love you, but to really love is to do something. And you know what? It's the same in the Old Testament. And we see as we go through the Old Testament, the covenant of God and all the sacrifices and the law and all that stuff can seem a little strange to us. But if you go through scripture, you'll see again and again and again, God makes it very clear It's because of his love for his people and him wanting them and his hope that they will love him. It's like, if you love me, live in this way. And again, time and again in the Old Testament, people got it wrong. The the idea of being pharisaical, which is a misunderstanding of Pharisees, but we use that phrase, don't we? Or certainly legalistic, and that's a good use of the word. Think, well, if I make the right sacrifices and if I am obedient, therefore God has to bless me. That's the way the covenant works. Time and time again, God says, no, that's not what covenant is about. I love you and bless you first. And because I love you, now live in a certain way. We don't earn favour. And also there's no cheap grace where everything is just freely available. Uh, because God doesn't care about us. And again, I want to come back to finish here on John 14. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we, the Son and the Father, will come to them and make our home with them. God the Father and the Son will make their home with you. And Jesus closes these words. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me.
So again, what we love is what we do. And what we do shapes what we love. So what's the blessing for us? Because James is going through all of this with us, doesn't want us to be deceived, wants us to hear, wants us to do. That has this wonderful metaphor that we catch a glimpse of who we are in God's creation and we will do something about it and pursue God's word with other people. We can do all of those things, but what's the reason for it ultimately? It's so that God can bless us. Do you want the Lord to bless you? Do you want the Father and the Son to make their home with you and pour the blessing? And that means things like our identity, to, be, to walk in the identity that God's made us, to be freed from bondages to things, to, to use our gifts and abilities, and to have the best life we ever could have because God made this world. That's what the blessing is. And in the midst of it is to become more of what he intended us to be and to experience his love and his generosity and his provision and his involvement and his power and his kingdom. And how do we know that's true? Because God tells us that the Father loved you and I so much that he took action and he sent his Son, and Jesus loved us so much that he took action for us. And we're called into the same experience with the Father. So last thing I've got to share with you is this. I've, I've called this the call to action. Um, when I get to the end of, of any talk or teaching that I'm doing, I, I'm saying, all right, Lord, so what do you want us to do? Which is very apt, isn't it, for this topic? If this is true, if James has, has spoken to us, if we're, if we're, as we're sitting here or standing or wherever we are as we listen to this, what are we called to do? What's the call to action? And maybe it's this to sum up. What mirrors are you and I looking at daily? The issue isn't whether we're looking at mirrors and having reflections. Our world is saturated with images and perceptions and words about who you and I are supposed to be. And what's that bringing into your life? If you're happy with it, great. But if you're not, look in a different mirror. There is a mirror that God has with his people and his word to show us who we are and who we're meant to be. I was thinking about this in, in so many ways. When I first became a Christian, I remember going to a small group. I was 17 years old and people prayed for me. The first time someone had a prophetic word, in other words, looked at me and saw something about me that I had never ever heard anyone pray. And they prayed Jeremiah 29 over me. And I heard the words for the first time, Jason, God has a plan to bless you and prosper you and not harm you. That given my background I was from and my father having abandoned us and left and the abuse that I'd had from my parents, I, my future seemed very dark. And the mirrors that I'd been looking in weren't showing me a wonderful future. To hear God's word, to bring light and life to me was amazing. So where are you looking into? Are you looking into God's word and mirror? And we need to do that on our own. But we need to do it with other people. Because if we're not, other people will be putting their mirrors up to us. Are you letting other people hold up God's mirror for you? One of the things I love doing when we share words, I got this idea from Brian, who's on our teaching team, and say, what does the Jesus in me see in the, and love about the Jesus in you? That's a mirror moment. That's when we say, I see something in you, 
and we get to call out this Genesis creation and image that God's made us in. Again, another thing for our small groups to do with one another. Or did you catch a glimpse once? Like I said, maybe in a service or a long time ago or recently, or at a conference or on a podcast or a prayer time, and, and have you forgotten it? Because maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing it to mind right now. And he's saying, do you, will you recover it? And the way to recover it is to now, today. And after everything we've been through, this is a moment in history. If, if everything we've been through is not enough to make us recover or search for the things that God has made us to be and take action over them, I don't know what will be. And then the blessing will come. There is so much blessing God has for us. I want to close with this last illustration, and, and I think I maybe already mentioned it, um, but a lot of you probably missed it. I've got a thing up on my wall behind me, and it's got a little square on it for every single week of my life. It assumes you live to 85, which is nice, isn't it? And one square for every week, and I got it when I was about 51. So if there's enough weeks covered in for 51 weeks, and apparently the average person lives 4,000 weeks. It's not a lot, is it? If you live into your hundreds, you might live 6,000 weeks. And it was, a, it was a sort of productivity thing. The idea was that you look at it and see all the dark coloured in and the white that's left. And it's supposed to focus your attention when you look at it. That was the purpose of this tool. And say, ah, what are the really important things in life that I'm putting off? Because as you and I know, we are so prone to keep putting off and putting off and putting off the things that God made us to do and to be. Well, I kept looking at that, thinking about projects, big projects that I haven't taken hold of or done. And then I felt the Lord speak to me one day. I came into my study to pray and I felt the Lord say, Jason, can we talk about this? I went, okay, Lord. He said, can we repurpose this? And I went, all right, Lord. He said, what if those things were less a focus on things that you're thinking about doing and more about who I want you to be? And, and suddenly my perception of this was transformed and God got my focus and he started and I sat there and he started to remind me of the things he told me about who he had made me to be that I had not yet stepped into. And I'd fallen in love with him more than ever and said, Lord, I want to, uh, in the midst of everything that's happened, I want to stop putting off becoming who you meant me to be when I die. I don't want to get before you and realise all the things I could have been and put off. Now, that's how the action takes care of itself. Loving God, being loved by him, pressing into who he made me to be, will change what I do. Because then Jesus makes it much clearer to me, Jason, do this, don't do this. And I am blessed. So I pray as you listen to this, you'll be blessed too. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for James. I pray by your spirit where everybody is, either in the service or online or in catch up. I pray by your spirit for a release to catch a glimpse of who you meant us to be. And I pray we would recover those glimpses. I pray we would stop putting off. I pray for all deceptions to be broken over us in the name of Jesus, the deceptions of the world and the devil. And Lord, now give us the fortitude and the resilience and the resolve to pursue you. And then Lord, Chase us down with your love. Chase us down with your love. Help us as we engage in small groups, pray on our own, activate your word in us, and may we be released and become the people you've called us to be with all the blessing that you have for us. Amen.